you must understand that a secular, who is a secular? A secular is one who never says anything against a Muslim, however wrong thing a Muslim has done. A secular is one who never says anything. On the other hand, anybody who has said anything in favor of Hindus can never be secular. He is communal. This value system was uh, grafted on this nation by Jawaharlal Nehru, earlier than that by Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi, and this has been sanctified by a, uh, the leftists. This has been sanctified by a whole lot of pet and paid intellectuals, so-called intellectuals, so that this had got into the Bengali site. You ask me about West Bengal. I would not like to elaborate on this thing, but I would only see, say that BJP has committed political suicide in West Bengal. It could have come to power in 2021. They simply let it slip through their fingers. Thank the audience for giving me this opportunity to speak on something that I have seen uh, in practice with my own eyes over the last how many years? Since uh, 1967, I would say. Since 1967, uh, that was a time when I had just left college and joined work. And at that time, I was away from Kolkata, so I did not know what was happening in Kolkata, but I came back the same year. And then since then, I have been observing the antics of the leftists in the party, in the state. The first thing that we noticed is that everybody has starts talking politics. I have mentioned in the introduction of my subject that one of the characteristics of left politics is to over-politicize the polity. Everything is politics. Today, uh, the situation in West Bengal is that anything, say from purely political matters down to, uh, say for instance, uh, what I have seen with my own eyes, appointment of a professor in an engineering college or in an university, then down to admitting a patient in a hospital, then down to even poultry farming. Everything in West Bengal is political. The police are completely politicized. The administration is politicized. There is nothing, nothing outside politics. In fact, one of the left leaders, Anil Biswas, who was the Supremo of West Bengal, he died a early death, he had said, the, these very words, which in Bengali means there is nothing outside politics, everything is. So you must understand that according to the standards prevailing in West Bengal now, there is no good and bad, there is no right or wrong, there is no, there is no good and evil, there is no moral and immoral. There is only politics whether you belong to this party or you belong to that party. 
this has completely corrupted the value system of the people and the result is what you see today but i've sort of jumped the gun so let me go back to 1967 and explain or describe to you the gradual deterioration of the state over the over all these years it has been how, how many years so the point is uh, this uh, the gradual deterioration that i have been talking about it started in 1967 when the congress government was voted out of power and the government called the uh, united front consisting of mostly left parties but also a congress offshoot called bangla congress came to power the entire period between 1967 and 1972 was a period of anarchy in west bengal during this period there had been two elections and period and intervening periods of president's rule and a uh, lot of agitations and eventually in 1972 the congress came to power but by that time the congress had also changed into a quasi left party and they lasted for 5 years in the, in the middle of which there was emergency and then after that from 1977 to 2011 we have had uninterrupted left front ruling the state and thereafter another party that is mamata banerjee's trinamool congress which says that they are against the cpm but they copy the cpm absolutely line for line so what did the leftists do how did they begin their rule uh, how did they begin their uh, nefarious activities back in 1967 between 1967 and 1972 i'll give you just one or two examples see there is a town called bardwan near kolkata which many of you know in this bardwan town there was a family um, about all the sai bari it was the about it was the home of the sai family this sai family they were congress supporters there were two brothers molay and pranob sai these two were one day just eating sitting on the floor their mother was serving them a cpm procession was passing by somewhere else they suddenly changed route and stormed into the sai house that is sai bari and uh, entered the place where the two brothers were eating and their mother was serving them and just slit their throats just slit their throats the brothers sat there just writhing in pain and bleeding to death these people they took up the they picked up the blood and made little balls of rice and fed it forcibly to the mother the two brothers her own to her own two sons blood uh, made into balls with rice and fed it to the brothers then the cpim leader called harakrishna konar justified it 
he justified it saying that this kind of thing is bound to happen for those who oppose the CPM. Whoever opposed the CPM will come to this end. So this is how it started. Then during this, in, in the meantime, another process had started, which was the Naxalite or the Maoist thing. That also started in the year 1967 with some kind of agrarian revolt. These people were a breakaway group from the CPIM. You know, originally there was one Communist Party of India which broke into the CPI and the CPIM and, uh, in 1964. Then in 1967, the uh, CPIM came to power. The CPI remained out of it. But an ultra-left fraction, uh, which called itself the CPI-ML, Communist Party of India, Marxist-Leninist, they broke away and they formed the Naxalite, main Naxalite party. And this, it, they were called Naxalites because the first revolt took place in Naxalwadi. Then uh, a, there was a very there was a very murky story followed, and the period between 1967 and say 1973 or 74 into the Congress regime, there was rampant uh, destruction of property and killing of people, right and left, all based on actual or assumed political affiliations. A person was said to be a uh, CPIM supporter, so the Naxalites came and killed him. He was perhaps not a CPIM supporter. Somebody just uh, took a revenge on him because he had a personal grudge against him. The opposite thing also happened. Uh, Congress also, to an extent, joined in this fray, and they also did it. This process went on, but in 1972, the Chief Minister Congress, Chief Minister Siddharth Shankar Roy, after coming to power, he started right and left killing of the Naxalites. It's a very unfair thing to do, but it put a stop to the Naxalite thing. Naxalite problem has, as far as I understand, now broken down into broken into 27 parties, 27 Naxalite parties. And each one of them claimed that we are the true Naxalites, we are the true Maoists. Some of them are more powerful, like the um, MCC, the Maoist Coordination uh, Center, and uh, Maoist Communist Center, and a few others. Uh, well, there's one called Liberation, there's one called Second Central Committee, we need not go into any of that. The point was there was rampant, there were rampant political killings right through this period, which stopped around 1973 or 74. But from 1967 onwards, the industrial degeneration in the state also started. You would remember those of you who have studied the history of this period would remember that uh, West Bengal uh, was sort of the industrial hub of India at that time. This, uh, the uh, deposits of coal and uh, a lot of iron ore were largely in West Bengal. And because the British had started their uh, 
their uh, ruling rule of India in from Kolkata. At that time, it was Calcutta, uh, and they had the advantage of a riverine port at Calcutta, and because of a large number of advantages, infrastructural advantages, the whole of this belt from Calcutta right up to the border of West Bengal and Bihar in a place called Baraka, it was dotted with industries. Only yesterday or day before yesterday, I got a message over uh, WhatsApp from a gentleman called Adit Jain. He heads a outfit called IMA India. He had grown up in some in a place called Kumardhumi, which is in Bihar, just outside the West Bengal border. And he said that at that time, if one drove along the Grand Trunk Road, which is now the National Highway Number Two, from Kumardhumi to Calcutta, one would see hundreds of factories, literally hundreds of factories. There were this. Uh, Indian Iron and Steel Companies, uh, Cast Iron Works in Kulti. There was a Keru's Distillery. Then there were there were these collieries in the entire Asansol Belt, Asansol Raniganj Belt. There were there was Hindustan Pilkington. There was Sendrale. There were so many things. Then into Durgapur, there was mining and allied machinery. There was uh, the steel plant, all these factories were there. Now, what happened is that in 1967, in that United Front Ministry, there was a small constituent called the Socialist Unity Center of India. This, is, this party is practically not known outside West Bengal. In fact, in West Bengal also, they have dwindled to a very small number. But this party had a representative in the uh, uh, cabinet whose name was Subodh Banerjee. Subodh Banerjee uh, was the labor minister and he gave a dictum that Gherao, Gherao which literally means surrounding people, surrounding or besieging, Gherao is perfectly legal. If somebody is Geraoing some industrialist, uh, then the police will not go and interfere. Now, this thing was lapped up by all the union leaders at that time. The union leaders were uh, largely left-oriented. There were some uh, uh, Congress leaders also, INTUC, but they also gravitated to the left. And it was this thing was lapped up, and then this Gherao started. Gherao's, I have myself experienced a Gherao because at that time I was a very young uh, engineer officer in the Indian Railways and I had myself faced Gherao and I know what a tormenting experience it was. Uh, you would be surrounded by about uh, say 50 to 100 people inside your office or outside in the hot sun or in pouring rain who would be shouting slogans and yelling obscenities at you. And you had to keep your head, because if you didn't, then you would be manhandled, you could be killed also. This uh, message that I got from this Adit Jain a few days back, it said that when he was working in Durgapur steel plant, not as an employee of the steel plant, 
but as a uh, employee of his father's company which had been entrusted with some construction work in the steel plant he was made to stand on a barrel in the hot sun of durgapur sometime in the height of summer while some 100 people surrounded him and kept on uh, shouting slogans and yelling uh, horrible things about him this person has said that i have I had no idea what my fault was, why these people are shouting at me. But that didn't matter. The point was that the labor minister had declared that Gerao was legal and therefore Gerao was going on. This started the flight of capital from West Wing. This flight of capital, you must understand, was not something that was not desired by the leftists. They wanted people to, uh, wanted capital to fly. Why? Because if people are employed, people are happy with their jobs. People go to office or go to work or go to factories, come back, and then they spend time with their family, uh, teaching something to their children and spending time with their wives then who would go out and do processions and shout uh, with the communists? So they wanted people to be unhappy. They wanted people to be unemployed. And this is what happened right through this period. I wouldn't bore you with the details of all the factories that were closed and all the head offices of the uh, premier um, uh, private sector companies that had moved away from Kolkata. Just to give you a few examples, Philips India ran away, Rekit Coleman Benkisar ran away, uh, Gestkin Williams later on closed, Jessup and Company closed, Burn and Company closed, so many, so many. The Entire point was to make people unemployed so that they would swell the ranks of the processionists. Because people, as I said, if people were employed, then they wouldn't come to uh, the processions. Why should they come? So that was their pattern. Not only that, even for people who were not working in factories, say agricultural laborers, or otherwise daily laborers in cities, teachers. The design of the leftists was to make them, uh, was to keep them in discomfort, some kind of discomfort. Something, say for instance, uh, at that time, milk was sometimes difficult to get. So just to get a card of milk, government milk supply uh, was difficult. Similarly, getting a telephone was almost impossible. So to all, for all these things, they were forced to come to the party office, not to the relevant government office, but the party office, because the party office, the government office, relevant government office would not entertain anything without the say-so of the party. I'll give you one example. Uh, say, for instance, this was a very common experience in villages or uh, smaller towns, not so much in Calcutta. Uh, say, for instance, in a hospital, uh, 
uh, all the hospitals were overcrowded. So in a hospital, you had two intending patients who wanted um, admission. Say one was suffering from cancer and the other one was suffering from some trifling ailment, say common cold or um, some bronchitis or something like that. Who would be admitted would, would not depend on how bad his need was. Who would be admitted would depend on who has who he has been recommended by. I have seen things in my own university. You know, I taught in Jadavpur University, which is one of the premier universities in uh, the eastern part of India. Supposing this is a hypothetical example, but I have seen similar examples. Uh, supposing uh, a professor is to be appointed in a department. Now, the essential qualifications of a professor are laid down by the University Grants Commission, UGC. But two things the university can dictate. That is, one is the desirable qualification and the second is the specialization. So supposing in the physics department, their possible uh, specializations are quantum mechanics and solid state physics. Now, who would be, uh, which specialization would be mentioned in the advertisement? It would depend on if you stipulate solid state physics, then who would be applying and who have they been recommended by? On the other hand, if you recommend, if you stipulate um, quantum mechanics, then who would be coming? Depending on this, the entire advertisement would be manipulated. And this is how the entire system functioned. This is what was encapsulated in one word that this man said, Anil Biswas, that there is nothing outside politics. This was the extent to which this thing has been corrupted. Industries just went on vanishing from the state, one after another, one after another. We went to, um, I, uh, at that time, I was a very young man. I had, uh, I wasn't in politics. I was a simple engineer. Uh, everything seemed very odd to me. So I asked some people who had leftist tendencies. So I said, uh, I asked them that all these industries are running away. Uh, what will our people do? Where will they get employment? He said, Are bhagke jayega kaha? Sab lal ho jayega. Every place will go communist. Then I thought that there is something wrong in it. And then I started. That is one of the things that got me interested in politics because I thought that something ought to be, ought to be done about it. Otherwise, this vacuum in politics being left to the dregs of society is what has uh, put us in this terrible jam. But anyway, so the industries were running away. The educational institutions were being corrupted. The government services, the administration, uh, the police, they were all being politicized. I'll give you one or two more examples. Say, for instance, uh, in uh, 1978 or 79, uh, there was a genocide, a mass killing, I would say, not to the extent of genocide. So about some, I believe some 5,000 people were killed in a place called Marichapi in the Sundarbans Delta of the Hooghly River. 
what had happened in Marijapi is very interesting. It had a long history. The um, refugees from East Pakistan who had been driven out by Islamic persecution and who had no employable skills in India. A lot of uh, people who had employable skills in India, uh, employable skills, they came and they found employment. Say, for instance, schoolmasters or shopkeepers or uh, doctors or uh, lawyers, they found employment. But people who were into, say, fishing or into agriculture, they found no employment because West Bengal was deficit in land and water. So they became the charge of the government and the government neglected this thing very badly. In fact, Nehru, that's a different story. I'm not going into that. But these people became destitute and they, they were not given the sort of rehabilitation that Punjabi refugees were given. A lot of people are under the impression that the Punjabi refugees are very hardworking and the Bengali refugees are feckless. This is not at all correct. Punjabi refugees are definitely hardworking. But they had been given rehabilitation in colonies like, for instance, Kalkaji or uh, Lajpat Nagar or uh, Rajendran Nagar, these places. They had been uh, accommodated in even agricultural land in places like Pilibit. And more than anything else, in Punjab, the exodus was both ways, you know. Muslims left Indian Punjab and went to uh, Pakistani Punjab. On the other hand, the Sikhs and Hindus, they came from Pakistani Punjab and came to Indian Punjab. As a result, there was complete exchange of population and the India, the Sikhs and Hindus who came to India, they found the, they could use the uh, properties that had been left by the uh, Muslims of East Punjab, that is Indian Punjab. But in West Bengal, there is no, in Bengal, there was no such thing. It was a one-way exodus. Only the Hindus came from East Bengal. The West Bengali Hindu, West Bengali Muslims did not go to East Bengal except for a very small number, middle class people who wanted, um, uh, and they also kept their property over here. They wanted good job opportunities, so they went. So this kind of thing happened and there was no rehabilitation arranged by the Nehru government. So as a result, these people lived in under horrible conditions. And at the time, there was one scheme launched that we said that these people were going to be rehabilitated in the Andaman Islands. Then the CPIM, these leftists, they had agitated. Now I'm talking about an earlier period, that is early 1950s and 1950s generally. <clears throat> these people had uh, were to be rehabilitated in Andaman Islands and therefore uh, they were told to go to Andaman Islands, which has a, which has a climate like East Bengal. But the leftists told them that you mustn't go, we will provide you uh, rehabilitation in West Bengal. So some of them went, some of them did not go, and the ones who did not go, ones who fell prey to these provocations of the left leaders, they were in a horrible soup. <laughs> Eventually, they were left, they were sent to a place called Dandagaran, what is now Chhattisgarh, Odisha, and Andhra. There they suffered very badly because Dandagaran is a very dry and arid uh, place. But anyway, when the leftists came to power in 1977, and mind you, these refugees were all uh, people into kind of basic professions like agriculture and farming. 
So when the leftists came to power in 1977, and incidentally, they were also all scheduled caste, almost all scheduled caste. So in, when the leftists came to power in 1977, these people thought that these leftists had been telling us earlier that they will give us rehabilitation in West Bengal. So we must demand rehabilitation in West Bengal. They will suddenly give it to us. Then they sold everything that they had in Nandakarane and they, to, they traveled in trains to Kolkata. Jyoti Basu, the chief minister, he said, nothing doing, you go back. Complete volte face. And these people are not prepared to go back. They, were, they had burnt their boats. So they decided that they will do something for themselves and they sailed in boats to a riverine island called Marichapi in the Sundarban Delta. And there they tried to set up agriculture. Then the Jyotibasu's government, they sent both the police and CPM gundas to beat them out of that place. They besieged the place with the result that that water is brackish, you know. You can't get, don't have uh, drinking water over there. Drinking water has to be brought in uh, boats from the mainland. They stopped the, the supply of drinking water. Little children had died in front of their parents' eyes. And the parents also, when they tried to swim across, then they were eaten up by uh, crocodiles or estuarine sharks. And they were all driven out of that place. The press was completely shut out of this process. This tragedy of Marijapi, almost a genocide, it is now coming to the fore only now. But um, the, because the media, are, uh, media and the certain class of media professionals are dominated by the leftists, this is not uh, coming out as well as it should. So this is one of the things that they did. Another thing that the uh, leftists did was to stop the teaching of English because the idea was that if the students learnt English, then they would be able to know about what is happening in the other parts of India. They would be able to know about what's happening elsewhere in the world. So they found uh, some kind of some obscure quotation from Rabindranath Tagore that uh, one, the mother tongue is a mother's milk in education. And they forced people, forced the school, schools, particularly government and government-aided schools, they forced all of them to give up teaching of English. But the private schools kept on teaching English from class one or even from kindergarten. And all these communists, grandsons, grandchildren, children, they all went to this private school. They didn't go to the government school. It is only the people who had uh, no money to go to private schools who were forced to government and government-aided schools. They were, they had to go there and be subjected to this defective system of education. When I was teaching in Jadapur University, I saw that my students, who had come from these rural areas, who were of, uh, you know, the um, uh, good, very good merit, but not enough money. Their parents did not have enough money. When I found these people, they had all the material, I mean, whatever was needed to be known by way of engineering, they had it all in their brains, but they couldn't express it because they did not know any English. 
Bengali was the only language they knew, and Bengali was no good because there was no there were no jobs to be got in Bengal. So this is the kind of thing they did. Plus they did murders, murders galore. Just to give you one example, right in the middle of Kolkata on the 30th of April 1982, absolutely as they say in Hindi, Deen Dahari, 17 Anandamargi monks were doused in kerosene and set on fire. Unbelievable. Right in the middle of Kolkata, in a place called Bijan Setu, right next to Baliganj railway station, 17 Anandamargi monks were set on fire, were doused in kerosene and set on fire. Then a uh, OC of a Tiljala Thana, Tiljala is a police station. OC means what is what you call an SHO in uh, Delhi. This OC, he was shot at point blank range by a CPM uh, goon. A couple of CPM goons came there, just shot him and went away. And nobody had so far been convicted. Then in 1990, one of the most horrible things to happen, the most horrible things to happen, two women officers of the West Bengal government, and one of them belonged to UNICEF, I think, some uh, you know, international agency. <laughs> they had gone on some uh, family planning uh, mission to some remote area. And when they were returning, they were accosted by the, the uh, they were accosted by a crowd. And this crowd uh, started threatening them. Then the driver started, it was a Maruti van, you know, very unstable thing. So the driver started uh, trying to escape. But the van overturned. Then these people came and caught these two ladies. They raped them, they gang raped them, and they killed the driver mercilessly, horribly. And then not only gang raped the women, they did such things that defy description. I can't say it. But I just tell you how horrible it was that when these ladies, their bodies went for postmortem, the postmortem surgeon, who are normally very hardened people, postmortem surgeon uh, fainted at the sight of what had been done to one of these women. They were government officers. No conviction. No one has been convicted because the government, the, the machinery, the administration, the police, they were all absolutely in cahoots with the political party. They were all politicians. This thing kept on going one after another. This incident that I have referred to you is called Bantala incident. Before Bantala, there was this um, Anandamargi incident then Bantala, then Chota Angaria, then uh, Netai, all these things, they happened. And finally, of course, in 2011, they were ousted from power. Meanwhile, in uh, after Jyotibasu was deposed, Buddhadev Bhattacharya became the chief minister, and he had some kind of conscience in spite of being a doctrinaire communist, he had some kind of conscience and he thought that this, this can't go on. We must try to industrialize the state. So he managed to get Tata Motors to invest in the state and he earmarked some area for Tata Motors factory. And Tata Motors had started building that factory and they had invested some 1,500 crores 
in constructing that factory in a place called Singur. Now, there was some agitation against this factory because the people who were losing the land in the for the factory, they had um, it's a very rich agricultural land. They said that there was land available elsewhere, etc., etc. Trinomul Congress, meanwhile, under the leadership of Mohana Banerjee, had rose, uh, risen up as the principal oppos opposition against the CPIM, and Trinomul Congress started opposing this construction of this thing. It went on to such an extent that Tata's got exasperated, and they said that uh, we have invested 1,500 crores over here. All right, we are giving it up. We don't want to do anything here. We don't want to have uh, to do anything with West Bengal. And the Tatas went away. They founded their factory in Sanand in Gujarat. So the communists were ousted from power in 2011 when Mahmoud came to power. Then what we saw was that Mahmoud was following exactly in their footsteps, line by line, she was following them, line by line with only one difference. The difference was that in the mm, this, uh, Communist Party, there was a very rigid structure. You know, at the top of the thing, there was the state secretary, below the state secretary, there was the state committee, then there was a zonal, there were zonal committees, then below zonal committees, there were, um, there were uh, district committees, then local committees, branch committees, and all that with the result that some order given at the very top, it filtered down the structure and went down to ground level and there these, um, uh, it would be obeyed. And then a feedback would go on all the way up to the top. Now, Mamadavanaji's party had no structure. Mamadavanaji had made sure that in her party, there, was only, there would be only one leader and that is herself. In fact, a left leader had said, that in this party, there is only one post, the rest are all lampposts. So this kind of thing went on. And um, with Tata's going away, almost uh, a few years before the left, before the Mahonavanaji's uh, Trinamool Congress came to power, the last nails, you could uh, so to say, was driven into the coffin of West Bengal. Today, West Bengal is a shamshan. It is a, it is a wasteland. A lot of people say West Bengal should be spelled W-A-S-T-E, Bengal. The, the boys and girls, they are hopeless. And there is rampant corruption. There was one time at which Mahmoud was heralded as the champion of, of integrity, of honesty. Nobody says that anywhere, um, anytime, anymore. And there's rampant corruption in the recruitment of teachers for secondary schools and primary schools. There was such corruption that the, 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 the examinations for this recruitment, which were held as far back as in 2011, they have not yet, after this 11 years, they have still not been put into action because these they were uh, there was terrible corruption. The all uh, undeserving people were given posts, and the people who deserved it they went to high court, 
uh, and um, challenged it with the result that this is now the ministers are being hauled in. Now the ministers are being hauled in. Not only that, there are uh, people like uh, advisors in the entire structure who, who are being hauled in. And there was quite there is quite a possibility that they will be subjected to the rigors of the law. Apart from that, there is murder, of course, simple. And there is something called tolabazi. Tolabazi means extortion. This is the hallmark of Trinomal's rule. Tolabazi. You can do nothing without paying an extortionate amount of money to the local Trinomal boss. One uh, film actor called Rudranil Ghosh, who was close to the BJP, in fact, he had, uh, he had uh, run for elections from one of the um, constituencies where she, uh, he had uh, from Bhawanipur constituency as a BJP candidate. He is a film actor, not an absolute class one actor, but he is a film actor. He says, for the last so many years, I have not been getting any job because I belong to the BJP. This is the kind of thing, this is the kind of over-politicization that takes place in the state. And all these murders, the latest thing, of course, some of, some of you might have heard of it, in a tiny village called Bogdui, in the district of Birbhum, which is famous for, the, for Tagore's Shantiniketan. In this district of Bogdui, some nine uh, people, including women and children, they have been burnt alive. And they were all Trinamul supporters. They have been burnt alive by a rival faction of Trinamul. Because the rival faction, they were the head leader of the rival faction, was one Bhadu Sheikh. This Bhadu Sheikh was murdered by people of this faction. So from the, that place, the rest of the people, the names like Rosina Bibi and all that, she had given a dying declaration saying that this is how we had been killed. First, they, had, they were butchered. They were sort of pierced with uh, spears and all. And then they were they're, they're, they're dead or half dead. They were pushed into a cottage and sprinkled with kerosene and the cottage was set on fire. The chief minister went there and was seen openly instructing the police as to how this is to be investigated. But the, um, some lawyers went to the high court and immediately got it transferred, the task of investigation transferred to the CBI. Today, people have no faith in the state police, practically anything of importance. And lately, a lot of these murders, have, murders and mayhem has gone on, cases of smuggling and all that. All of them have been entrusted to the CBI. So this is more or less a picture in the left rule state and the quasi-left rule state. The, the party which had promised a parivartan. Parivartan means change. From the left rule, they were they are following, they were following, they are still following the um, in the footsteps of the left uh, parties. So this is a thing about which the rest of India should take, should be careful. Never, never bring a left party to power. 
never, never give any kind of lift to any left party. However much intellectual they may seem, however much uh, smart, however much uh, um, erudite they may seem, never, never give any room to any left party. Otherwise, uh, you will share the fate of West Bengal. Very recently, there was one comment all over the social media that people here are used to say, I mean, in particularly in CPM uh, government's time, it used to say, used to be said that however bad we are, we are better, better than Bihar. Bihar is much worse. Of course, that was Lalu's Bihar. Now, this time, Bihar elections have happened and not a single murder. UP elections have happened and not a single murder. And West Bengal elections, I think about 140 murders have taken place before the election and after the election. I need not go into the gory details of some of these things. I know most of them, uh, most of the details of all these murders and these tortures very well. Uh, one thing I can assure you that the police have done nothing. What? Police sometimes do when there, there's a lot of pressure. They arrest someone, put him in jail custody, then don't give him a charge sheet for 90 days. After 90 days, if you don't give a charge sheet, he, uh, that person gets bail and goes cut free. This is the kind of thing that has been done. So this is, in a nutshell, whatever I could say in this short period of time, the look of left rule and quasi-left rule, and that is it. What is the impact of uh, the Rohingyas and the illegal Bangladeshis who are uh, like in large numbers in West Bengal uh, on their infrastructure, on their jobs, uh, education sector and all? The Rohingyas are not even Bangladeshi citizens. They were driven out by the Myanmaris to Bangladesh. Because Myanmar is a predominantly Buddhist country and these people, these Rohingyas, the bulk of them who are Muslim, they were causing problems over there. So something happened and then uh, they um, sort of moved over to Bangladesh. They live in a particular corner of Chittagong district, Bazar district actually. And uh, from there they try to leak out and eventually, of course, come to West Bengal. And in West Bengal, they are welcomed because they swell the vote bank of this so-called uh, secular parties. You must understand that a secular, who is a secular? A secular is one who never says anything against a Muslim, however wrong thing a Muslim has done. A secular is one who never says anything. On the other hand, Anybody who has said anything in favor of Hindus can never be secular. He is communal. This value system was uh, grafted on this nation by Jawaharlal Nehru, earlier than that by Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi, and this has been sanctified by uh, uh, the leftists. This has been sanctified by a whole lot of pet and paid intellectuals, so-called intellectuals. So that this had got into the Bengali site and nobody bothered about it. Meanwhile, this kind of infiltration went on, went on. 
certain parts of the state are such that the demographic composition has completely changed. See, West Bengal was, was during the partition of India, West Bengal was partitioned. Province of Bengal was partitioned on the basis of religion. The part which was Hindu majority came to India. The part which was Muslim majority went to East Pakistan, now Bangladesh. Now this part which came to India out of that three districts are Muslim majority. These are all mostly infiltrators. Plus there has been the role of procreation, of course, is there. In, the, in Assam, the situation is even worse. But the Assamese were not so oblivious of their danger and therefore from the 1980s they had been agitating against this and it has been a good thing. Uh, with the result that there had been uh, sort of uh, these, uh, we all know what uh, the uh, different legislations that had taken place, but there was no such thing in Bengal because here we are leftists. We are here, leftists are here to dispense love and compassion to the whole world. What difference does it make whether a person is a Hindu or a Muslim or Indian or a Bangladeshi or even a Myanmaris? They are all welcome. They all come here. We will not stop anyone. This was the kind of attitude. And this had happened. As a result of that, three districts have become Muslim majority. And there are parts of West Bengal where it is difficult for a Hindu to survive, to live. They, so they are forced. They are not killed or anything. But there is social pressure, economic pressure, with the result that they are forced to leave those places. Those places which they leave, they are lapped up by the Muslims who are coming across the border. And that is that. One more thing, sir. Um, I'm not aware of this. What are the citizenship laws in India? Like if, a, if an illegal Bangladeshi or a Rohingya has children, are they automatically deemed Indian citizens or what? How does it no, work? No, no, nothing of the sort. Nothing of the sort. But the point is that there is no mechanism yet for uh, pushing the illegal Bangladeshi or illegal Rohingya out of India. The government, present government, had legislated the CAA, the uh, Citizenship Amendment Act, and the, uh, the NRC, that is National uh, Register of Citizens Act, with great difficulty. And everybody blessed them. All Hindus who had been driven out of Bangladesh by Islamic persecution, they all blessed them. But so far, these laws have not been given teeth because in order to give a law teeth, rules have to be framed and these rules have not been framed. Hopefully, they will be framed in the near future. Then we'll see some kind of difference. But until then, these uh, illegal Bangladeshis, illegal Rohingyas, they are staying put because they have the support of the state government. On, going on from your question, uh, your answers to um, the lady here uh, about uh, the Rohingyas and the Bangladeshis infiltrating into India yes. and becoming a vote bank. But how can they become a vote bank if they aren't citizens? I thought only the citizens of the country are allowed to be on the voters list. How can they, how can they vote? I, I, oh, I that is that. very simple. They are given a ration card by the local panchayat. The panchayat is under the ruling party. 
Yeah. The local, the local, they simply go to the panchayat, they uh, concoct some kind of uh, antecedent that they were born in India or their father was born in India or something like that, and they're given ration cards. Then on the strength of that ration card, they get an electoral card. It's very yeah. simple. It's all over the state. Yeah, okay. No, I, I don't live in India, so I don't know the intricacies of okay, what okay, happens. Okay. I just thought as a citizen here yeah. where I am that I can vote. But I didn't realize that that was that simple uh, for the corrupt uh, system, you know, to have so many people mm. coming in without any problem. Um, okay, so another question from earlier your earlier talk. You said that there was a time when West Bengal was under president's rule. Because of all the troubles there, did I did I understand that correctly? There was one stage after 1970, uh, 67. That's right. That, that's uh, right. Between 1967 yeah. and 72. Yeah. So <laughs> I think if, there were three if, spells of three spells of presidents. Okay. So <clears throat> there must have been a lot of agitation, a lot of problems at that time. In order, of, I mean, I will read up more about it now. Obviously, after this uh, this uh, talk, um, I mentioned that Saibari incident that was during yeah. that time. Okay, so what is uh, what is the uh, must have been a very severe kind of a situation at that time for the president's rule to be established. So what is happening in West Bengal? I know a little bit now since last one year. Doesn't that also qualify for the president's rule to be implemented in the West Bengal? I personally think so. Now, finally, what happens is up to the central government. I personally think that uh, it certainly does qualify for the president's rule. Okay. All right, let's hope, wait and see what happens. Thank I don't you. know where, which country you live, you live in. You live in the yeah. United States by any chance? No, UK, in UK. UK, no. UK, of course, is, doesn't, it's an island country, so you won't have that problem. Oh, no, we've United, got a lot, we've got a lot of immigrants. I know, I know where immigrants yeah. is, uh, they, they're accounted Illegal for, ones, in the yeah. United States, in yeah. places like Texas and California, huge yeah. lot of Mexicans filter in. And yeah. they have an immigrant problem over there. Yeah, yeah, they have a huge one as well. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got, because they are just coming in from Europe, they're just being pushed right. out into the English Channel, and that's what we get over here now. Yeah. Right, right, right. What is the, the BJP strength has increased in West Bengal since the last election? This is what I, I, I read. And uh, what are the chances that seeing what is happening at the moment, that more and more people will be drawn Looking at the, the progress in the BJP rule, BJP rule states in India, other BJP rule, what are the what is your prediction or what do you feel would be the, the, the trajectory for the BJP control in the coming years? Adam, I am a BJP supporter right now and a BJP ordinary member. I was very active in the BJP. I was state president. I was member of the BJP national executive. So whatever answer I give, you must understand that I am saying these things from my own conviction. Yes. I think that the BJP rule in India has been a boon for the whole country, the way the yes. way this country, this country was going all these years. It has been reversed, and the one person who is responsible for it more than anyone else is Narendra Modi. I just can't explain what a great man he is, but this is yeah. not the way to wax eloquent on him. And there were other people also. Other people also. BJP is yeah. not a person who is not a party which respects persons, but. Um, 
Narendra Modi is someone, really someone. That is number one. Number two is that you ask me about West Bengal. I would not like to elaborate on this thing, but I would only see, say that BJP has committed political suicide in West Bengal. It could have come to power in 2021. They simply let it slip through their fingers. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, uh, from what I've been reading, I think is BJP left, uh, uh, brought in a lot of outsiders, you know, to stand for uh, yes, elections. Yes, that is one reason. You're absolutely yeah, right. That and, is one uh, reason. That is what, because people at, the, mm. at, uh, at ground level did not uh, gel with these outsiders. And I right. think that Mamata right, Banerjee right, is right, the government right, that uh, right, they, right. They, they stuck on this. Uh, right. You know, they, they had their strategist. I, I forget right. his name now. And they they said, you know, that that was, I think, a, a great... Those people have uh, mostly thing. left now. Yeah. Those people have mostly left BJP and gone back to Trinamul Congress. Yeah, they did that, yes, because they were frightened. I think they were more, right. more because they were frightened. Yeah. No, no, not frightened. They came here for money and pelf. Money and mm. pelf and power. Then they found that they couldn't win the election, so they've gone back. Oh dear. Unspeakable. Oh, I will, yeah, I I will wait for your book. I'll wait for your book. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. So would you like to give any concluding remarks and what are BJP's chances or what what is the uh, what can it correct for before the next election to come into power in West Bengal? Right now the BJP organization is in some disarray. And I would say that the most important thing for the BJP to do is to set the organization right and particularly have a very efficient Prabhari. Prabhari is the central observer who takes care, who uh, supervises the working of the state party and who reports on the state party to the central, um, the central party. So this is one uh, thing that I think ought to be done immediately. And that is about all that I am prepared to say now. More perhaps later. <laughs>